What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Koban. It's September 3, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 51. In this episode, I'll be talking about deload days and when to take them or why you should take them and how to squat better. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter, at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So this week I headed to my home Crunch Fitness and I actually saw some guys from high school this week. I didn't talk to them a whole lot in, uh, when we were in school, but we had some mutual friends and he was an athlete on the football team and stuff. So I'd occasionally see him around the weight room or on the football field. And that was when I was doing track or whatever I was out there for. Anyways, this dude is pretty big since he was on the football team growing up, so he's like, I don't know, if I had to guess, 6'3", maybe 230, something like that. And man, I have not seen anyone push weight like that guy did at the gym this week. It was even more embarrassing for me since I was benching right beside him, but we caught up for a bit in between sets and stuff and then i watched this guy hit 275 pounds two plates in a 25 and he did that uh 275 for four reps on the incline bench which honestly i haven't seen anyone go that heavy on that exercise before so that was just man that was crazy to see he got like four reps or something if i remember correctly And then I hit 275, but on flat bench, and I hit that for five that day too, so my training is still going smooth. So there was actually two of them, they're brothers, and the bigger brother was this 230 guy, but the younger brother is also pretty strong, even though he's probably like 30 to 50 pounds lighter, and the younger one actually played in the CFL, that's the Canadian Football League, in case you didn't know. And he played in the CFL for a few years, so obviously I had to bring that up somehow and try to get into the head of a pro athlete. I mean, now we're all 30 years old, we're all around that age, so those dreams are long gone, but that was pretty cool to talk about. But yeah, he was uh, selected in the draft for the CFL, and I actually went to go look this up since I didn't even realize, but I googled his name and he had a Wikipedia page, so (laughs) that's pretty cool. He was selected in the draft for the CFL, then stopped playing about two years ago now. So I even remember going to this one football game, and this guy was the quarterback of the high school I went to, and he hurdled someone on the other team he jumped over somebody on the other team that was trying to tackle him and that was actually one of the coolest things i've ever seen in person other than that i think i have a new weekly tradition so 
I actually ended up uh, getting a workout in with one of my friends this week who I've known since I was in grade two. So we were like basically like best friends like throughout elementary school. We went to elementary school together, high school. But man, I remember this one time going to this place when we were like in grade three or grade four or five. I don't even remember now. And he was playing hockey at the time, like ice hockey, uh, sorry, ice hockey. And I played baseball growing up. So obviously as kids, we thought it would be a good idea if I played goalie for him while he practiced his wrist shots and slap shots at me. At first it was going fine. Honestly, I had goalie leg pads on and I had a glove. So I felt like that was enough equipment. Well, it was until it wasn't. So this guy was just firing clappers at me, slap shots. And I just remember this all in slow-mo. He wound up for the slap shot and I swear to you, that thing was at least 100 miles per hour. At least that's what it seemed like when I was 12 years old and it hit me straight in the balls. And after the pain went away, we just died laughing for like five minutes I don't know what it is about this guy, but I actually have more than one incident or more than one memory where I end up getting hit in the balls, but I'll save the other story for another time. Anyways, okay, so I wanted to say that me and this guy got in a workout this week. So this one was an evening workout, actually, which is rare for me. This was probably my first nighttime lift so far in this little training block or while the gyms have been recently open. I think we started the workout and it was almost 8 p.m. And my bedtime is usually at like 9 to 10 p.m. So it was, I mean, it was nearly bedtime for me, but I pushed through. We ended up doing some chest, of course. I didn't have any PRs that day since I was a little bit sore for my 275 pounds for five reps on flat bench from like 36 hours before. But that's alright, I still had a great workout regardless, and you can still have a great workout even though you're not setting PRs every gym session. So that's just something to keep in mind. And also, it's a good idea to take it easy at times, kind of like a deload, which I'll talk about later. So okay, we hit chest, he's on a bro split, so I just did whatever body party was doing, which was just chest. And he told me he was going up to only 225 pounds, so two plates, but I mean, I convinced him to hit 245 for about six reps, so it was difficult for the both of us. For some reason, I don't know why, me and him are always around the same strength, so our workouts are always pretty good, actually. Time flew during that workout, though, man. We just did flat bench incline barbell and some cable chest flies which i need to start doing more often because it actually felt really good so those three exercises ended up taking up almost 80 minutes since we were mainly just catching up really also i remember when we used to even work out at la fitness back when i used to have a membership but that was like five or six years ago at this point and we were pushing like the same way that we currently are so You see what happens when you play sports and the injuries that could happen when it comes to halting or hindering your progress. We're proof right there. We're usually around the same strength and we almost started a YouTube channel too back in the day which turned out to be nothing. But yeah, because of our injuries we haven't made any strength progress really over the years. 
this guy has like no ACL or MCL or something because of, I'm pretty sure, football. So he's done with leg days forever. And then for some reason, when I get to new strength territory, I ended up, I end up, sorry, playing some sport and end up getting injured. I've had ankle problems from years ago playing basketball, fractured my thumb playing basketball, had to wear a cast on my arm because of baseball, recently dislocated my shoulder, but I mean, that was on a bouncy castle, that wasn't a sport. (laughs) So hopefully I don't run into any more injuries, so I need to just start taking it easy when it comes to trying to do all of these things at once, but I mean, it's so hard not to, I'm just an athlete at heart. Anyways, okay, so continuing on about gyms in Ontario, Canada, it looks like some kind of new rules are about to take place, just like I thought they would. So I think it's official right now, maybe it'll get delayed or something like that, but it looks like starting on September 22 in Ontario, you need to have proof that you've been fully vaccinated. I think this also applies to other indoor sports facilities also, I think restaurants and theaters too, and places like casinos, banquet halls, convention centers, maybe weddings, yeah, probably weddings, and even bingo places, so I'll have to tell my grandma about that one. So this is the start of the vaccine passports for us at least, and apparently an app or something where you can see if you're vaccinated digitally that's coming on October 22, that's going to be in the form of a QR code. So basically, if you're not double-dosed or whatever, double-vaxxed by September 7, because there is a two-week window after you get vaccinated where you still have to wait for the vaccine to finish up its work or whatever. So if you're not double-vaxxed by September 7, which is just four days away, I think that's Tuesday. Yeah, good luck getting into a gym after September 22. And I really did have a feeling that you'd need proof of a vaccine before getting into the gym. And believe me, I got the vaccine to help stop COVID-19 and the spread or whatever. Yeah, that's the main reason. But also a tiny part was because I knew that there'd be, uh, eventually there'd be guidelines like this. I'm in favor of it, so you won't see me at Queen's Park protesting this. And I think... On the same day that they announced this in Ontario, which was Wednesday, I believe the vaccine passport went uh, live in Quebec, and I did read online that the gyms were a little bit more empty than usual, so that's good to see. So starting in three weeks, I guess those kids will be gone out of this crunch fitness that I go to. Alright, anyways, so there was a Kanye West album that dropped this week. I did read that Universal, I guess that's the label he's signed to or something. Apparently the label uh, released the album without Kanye's final word or something like that. And then there was some drama having to do with the the baby track on there. I don't know, but anyways, the album seems pretty good. I'm not a huge Kanye fan, but I have been listening to his uh, older album. Uh, I think it might beautiful dark twisted fantasy that album i actually enjoy that one i literally just googled which kanye album was the best and there were a bunch of people saying that this album was the best i mean like the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy one people were saying that was the best or maybe it was the first album but i already listened to that one before already 
But anyways, the new album, Donda, is sounding pretty good. There's some good songs on there, and I do like it right now, but honestly, it's so damn long. It was on pretty heavy rotation this week, but it's hard to get through an almost two-hour album. But okay, so songs I do like are, I think, Praise God was one that was in my head for a little bit. And also, oh my god, the last 40 seconds of that song, Jail, is actually super fire whenever I listen to it. And especially when I listen to it when I'm in my car. That beat at the end, oh my god, it's just crazy. So that was on while I was at the gym this week. But next week, I'll definitely be listening to the album that came out this morning, September 3. Drake finally released his album. And honestly, when was the last bad Drake album? I don't know, man. The track record just speaks for itself. So Certified Lover Boy is now out. I haven't listened to it yet since I'm recording this podcast Thursday. So I'll have my thoughts about that one next week. But honestly, Drake's album should be better than Kanye's Marathon album. Just look at the track record. Like I said, has Drake even put out a bad album before? I don't know. Nothing was the same. Is still fire. So leading up to the release date, though, they uh, Drake had those billboards up at Dundas Square. All about those typical Drake lines that you'll hear on the album, I guess, and see on Instagram captions for the uh, in the near future. <laughs> the merch wasn't great this year. It seemed a bit emo, and I'm not even one to buy merch anyway. I'm not that big of a fan. And the album cover with the pregnant ladies emoji is just weird, but I guess that's pretty much official now since Drake himself posted it. Question 1. When should you be deloading? I've been getting a bunch of questions lately about when and if you should be implementing deloads regularly, and this is one of those typical answers when it comes to being a personal trainer. It depends. So, a deload is specifically when you have a week or maybe it's just a few days off of the gym, or when you do go into the gym... You purposefully go in there and lift lighter weights than usual, or your overall workout volume is lower than usual and the intensity is lower as well. And these deloads can be important when it comes to training or can actually be used in all aspects of life. Because if you're just focused on one thing for so long, you're going to have to take a sort of break eventually. Think about just pushing your car to the max every single time you'll probably be going through some sort of engine issues, or if we're talking about you as a person, then going hard every single time. Eventually, you could push yourself to some sort of burnout, whether that be inside or outside the gym. A deload is meant for recovery purposes. Whether that be physically or mentally, or you need time off just because you need time off. And some signs to look out for when you know you need to deload specifically is when you hit a sort of plateau in your training or when you're feeling fatigued overall. I've said on here before that it's good practice to have programming where you're switching up rep ranges every 6 to 12 or so weeks. And in between those training blocks, it could be a good idea to take a deload. It's not completely necessary all the time. But if you're feeling like your body isn't recovered, then it could be smart to take some time off. 
It's also good practice to deload at times in your training. If you're someone who has trained consistently for months or even years, then you probably do need to incorporate some kind of deload into your training. It could be just a few days or maybe even up to a week. And that's because it doesn't really make sense that your strength or your progress is just going to go up linearly. When you're gaining strength or even when it comes to something like your weight, if you're trying to lose weight, and like I said earlier, pretty much everything in life really you're going to need some kind of break. Your progress isn't just going to be a straight line getting better every single time or every single day you work out. Or every time you hit your calorie deficit goals, that doesn't mean you'll instantly lose weight. It's not going to be in a straight line. In reality, it's more of improving a bit and then decreasing for a bit. But overall, you should be headed to your goal. And that's why I've mentioned before to look at your progress weekly or even monthly because your body weight fluctuates daily and your strength will fluctuate daily. So it's not really a good indicator if you place too much in those uh, day-to-day numbers. Earlier, I talked about how me and my buddy have always been the same strength since we were at LA Fitness five years ago. That's kind of true. We were benching around 225 or 245, and we still are now. That's what I mean when I say progress isn't linear. I mean, five years have passed. We should be both a lot stronger, right? Well, unfortunately, I mean, life happens. We both went through some injuries over time. So every time we're reaching new strength, an injury just happens to get in the way. So instead of our strength going up linearly over and over again, we had to go through some time where we're building up our strength. And for me, that meant recovering from ankle injuries, so I couldn't squat for a few months. Then I got strong again. Then I fractured my thumb. This past year, I was getting strong. COVID happened. Lockdown happened. Lost some strength there. Had to do home workouts, mobility drills every day, multiple times a day. Okay, then I went to the U.S., trained pretty hard, got really strong. Then I dislocated my shoulder and had to put myself through that rehab process once again. And now, again, I'm pretty much back to normal and gaining strength, and hopefully that continues going forward. Sorry, that's a bit off topic, but it's the same way when it comes to resistance training or working out and incorporating these deloads. You're going to have ups and downs, and that's why you might need to incorporate these deload days. That's to take a little bit of time off, to step back, make sure your form is perfect, and not getting or not being hindered by your sole focus on getting stronger. It's a point, the deload, that's a point where you can reset yourself and prepare yourself for another phase of training. If you've been consistently training, let's say six days a week for maybe six weeks or so, for example, After that training block is over, you can decide if you need a few days to just back off the weights, because maybe during those six weeks you made a crazy amount of progress, but in that last week of training you were really feeling fatigued and you really pushed your body to the limit. And maybe work is getting busy for you after those six weeks of training, and then you might not be sleeping or eating properly then for sure you can take a deload or take some days off to recover. That's perfectly fine, and you won't hurt your progress going forward. 
It's not necessary to deload all the time, but it really does depend on how you're feeling. For some of my clients, some of them I never really take a deload week, honestly. Sometimes clients will cancel, and that's usually when they'll have their deload, or just a rest in general. Also, when I do work with a client, especially in person, I think it's pretty easy to identify when it is time to take a workout a bit easier than you would normally. They'll tell me things like, I'm tired today because I had to do all these errands and stuff for my kids, or I didn't get a good sleep, or I didn't eat much today. I've heard it all, and on those days, it doesn't really make sense to push it and increase that risk of injury. You do have to work hard to gain progress, yes, but taking it easy for a few days or for a few gym sessions, that's not going to stop your progress. It could actually benefit you because, again, you'll be recovering and that's part of the process. When it comes to deloading, uh, just don't take too many of them or take too many easy days in the gym. Because if you're trying to progress, you do still need to push yourself in your workouts to a certain extent. Again, even talking about my clients again, okay, so the gyms have been open for, I don't know now, seven weeks maybe? And, okay, so me and this one guy, we've been training three times a week for the past, yeah, six weeks now since the gym's opened. And I figured it would be time for a deload, but... Instead, what happened was this guy went to the cottage and he was busy doing wedding plans for like a few days. So we actually had like, I think maybe six days off and we actually used that as a deload day, as a deload week. So instead I had some mobility drills planned out for him. He could do some home workouts as well. So he's not in the gym, but yeah, we just use that for recovery purposes right there. So sometimes deload, uh, deload days in the gym aren't really necessary. You can just take them outside of the gym and work on other things that you need to, like mobility drills, maybe do dumbbell lunges instead, maybe do sports that you enjoy. Like I think he went golfing a few times. And yeah, that's a lot of walking, but it's not too much stress on the body. So deloads aren't necessary for everyone, but... I take them a few times a year for sure because, like I said earlier, you're going to need a break at times when you go for like more than four times a week, for example, for months and months. You need to take that break sometimes, just for your own sanity, even if you are addicted to the gym or addicted to working out. Recovery is an important part of the process when it comes to being more healthy, so if you're feeling drained from your workouts, think about taking a deload for a few days. So that means if your programming calls for something like 95-pound squats or something like that, maybe just do 65 pounds or maybe even 75 pounds and focus on perfecting and practicing your form again before you start adding on the weight and continue on with your strength progress. So deloads aren't 100% necessary for everyone, but they could be useful for longevity purposes and making sure that you don't push yourself into overtraining or under-recovering territory. Question two, how to squat better? This is one of those questions that's going to be difficult to cover on the podcast because there's thousands of ways to make your squat better 
and it's going to be really based on the individual because it has to do with how your anatomy is, but a lot can actually be done by doing mobility drills and exercises. If we're looking at the squat, your lower body comes into play a lot. We can look at the feet, ankles, knee angle, your hips, groin area, and even what your core or your spine does as well. So you can actually make a lot of progress with how your squat looks by doing mobility workouts tailored to the lower body and the core. That could really help with certain depth issues you might have. So try to come up with exercises that could help give some of your joints some more range of motion. Pretty much everyone at one point knew how to squat. That's the way we come out of the womb, basically, squatting perfectly. And what's happened over the years is that we lost the ability to squat because we aren't practicing enough, or sorry, practicing it enough. And we kind of learned over time how to pick things up off the ground or bend down. We basically learn over time the wrong way to do it. So more times than not, you should be able to squat with some practice. Maybe a lot if you're older or really have problems you need to work around, like uh, past injuries or whatever. So that might mean doing mobility work in your hips or knees. Maybe your hamstrings are tight. Maybe your quads are the limiting factor. And probably the most important one would be the ankles. Your ankle mobility may be your limiting factor when it comes to getting lower in the squat. And if that is the case, then I do think it's a good idea to fix that issue by doing ankle mobility drills and warming up the ankle by at least doing ankle rotations before you squat. That one honestly helps me probably the most. So ankle circles or rotations help me and a few clients a bit. You can also do exercises like leg swings, which really open up that inner leg or groin area. And I even have another client who has to do some pre-glute stretches and movements because at the bottom of the movement, he feels a little tightness in his glute. So the stretches, it helps relieve some of that and he's able to squat a little bit deeper because of that stretch or exercise. It really depends on the individual we're talking about here. I was recently listening to a Squat University podcast episode, actually, I think it was. And they were talking about exaggerating movements to perfect them or something along those lines. And that got me thinking about how beneficial that could be as well. I never really thought about it before, but I do actually kind of implement this into my own training and actually my clients do them too. So, okay, let's step away from the squat for a second, but I'll get back there. So in this episode I was listening to, they were talking about doing exaggerated movements of whatever exercise you're going to do. So when doing something like a barbell bench press, when the barbell comes down, the farthest your chest or shoulders need to stretch is, I mean, to your chest, since you can't bring the barbell any lower than that. So what I've been doing for years, and so have my clients who do barbell bench, what I'll have them do is, during the warm-up, is exaggerate the movement. So I'll have them bring the bar down to their neck instead of their chest when they're warming up. That way, they'll get an exaggerated stretch at the bottom, just to kind of get a little bit of extra range of motion and mobility for the bench press. When you're bringing the bar down to your neck, 
you get slightly more of a stretch in your shoulders and your chest simply from just the weight of the bar alone. The bar will basically stretch your shoulders out with the help of gravity when you're doing this movement. Trust me, that's a good stretch to do before benching. And I think I got that one from a pro bodybuilder. I'm just blanking out on his name right now. So taking this same concept, we can do or practice an exaggerated squat as a part of the process in trying to get better in the squat. Again, I kind of implement this already during my own warm-up process with my clients. We'll do things like sit in the bottom of the squat assisted, hanging onto something, and then we'll move slowly from side to side or moving slightly forward on one side of the body so the ankle can gain a little bit more mobility and your calves actually could get a stretch in there as well which could be another limiting factor depending on who you are and you can do this while holding on to something you can just what you do is you just try to get as low as you can in the squat while holding on to something and then you just gently flow through different positions moving side to side front to back leaning on one side, doing some pulses, trying to raise your arm over your head if you can. Movements like that could help improve your squat over time and prepares you for that workout if you do this during your warm-up. They also mentioned that along with mobility drills, which will help most people gain a bunch of mobility and depth in the squat, some anatomies might not be designed to squat ass to grass. But humans were made to squat and it's one of the milestones that a baby goes through when they're trying to stand up on their own two feet and of course one of the best things to do is just simply practice the squat more so okay you can't do a bodyweight squat let's say to parallel something that i have to do with older clients usually over 50 or something like that i'll have them do a box squat somewhere in our training and that box may be pretty high. So basically you can replace the box with any chair if you want, and then you can make the seat higher if you can adjust it, or you can just put things on top of like a bench or something, like uh, put some weights on there. And if you can't do a box squat onto a bench or something like that, then again, elevate it a little bit. Just put some weight or some plates on that bench until it's a height that's difficult to get to or whatever's challenging for you. And then slowly over time, you want to make sure that range of motion and uh, make sure that person is squatting lower and lower. And if you're still going to practice squatting, but have limited ankle mobility or flexibility, then you can try squatting with something under your heel so that your heel is elevated. You can put a small weight on the ground and that could help you get a little bit lower in your squat as well. But also remember here, don't just rely on having the weight elevating your ankle every single time. Make sure you're still working on trying to perfect your own squat without the need to keep your ankle elevated when you're squatting all the time. I can't really fix exactly whatever your problem is over the podcast, so it's really going to be up to you to identify the area where you're lacking. It could mean you're lacking a little bit of everywhere, so it would probably be a good idea to do mobility work pretty much all throughout your lower body if you're finding it difficult to squat. Remember that nobody has a perfect squat, there's always something to improve, so 
even if your squat is looking fine right now, you should still be doing some kind of mobility drills to make sure that you'll be able to maintain that squat performance or squat depth for as long as you're walking around on your own two feet. So what'll help you the most are doing mobility drills, targeting specific areas in your lower body, like your feet, ankle, and hips. And don't underestimate the power of just trying to practice your squat. And that could be done assisted or doing this exaggerated method. And that concludes episode 51 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.